0: At this hour, Hurricane Ian continues to cut a swath across the state of Florida. Ian made landfall just after three o'clock this afternoon in southwestern Florida near Key Costa, a barrio island off the coast of Fort Myers. Ian came ashore as a Category 4 hurricane with 150 mile per hour winds, just a few miles per hour shy of a Category 5. Only four hurricanes stronger than that have made landfall in the United States ever. But it is not just the strength of the storm, it's the size. This is a view of Hurricane Ian from the International Space Station this afternoon, showing just how massive the storm is. The National Weather Service describes Ian as battering the Florida peninsula with catastrophic storm surge and winds and flooding. Flor- Ian has just now weakened to a Category 2 storm with maximum sustained winds of 105 miles per hour, and it is making its way very slowly across northeast Florida. The hurricane isn't expected to reach the Atlantic Ocean until late tomorrow. And even then, it will continue north in a weakened form. States of emergency have been declared as far north as Virginia, in anticipation of what the storm may bring in the coming days. In Florida right now, nearly 1.9 million households are without power as wind and water knock down trees and power lines. Curfews will be in effect tonight in many communities along the West Coast. The greatest danger is the storm surge, which has already broken records in Naples and Fort Myers. The National Weather Service warned the storm surge could reach as high as 18 feet in some areas. Multiple Florida counties reported receiving significant number of calls from people trapped in their homes by water. Authorities say they're prioritizing situations that are immediately life-threatening, but rescues in some places may not be possible until conditions improve. And emergency officials are warning people not to use their own boats or cars to help with rescues, because many hurricane deaths happen when people venture into deep water that's been electrified by downed power lines. This evening, President Biden called the mayors of Fort Myers, Cape Coral and Sarasota, and the chair of the Charlotte County to offer his support. But the White House says the president was only able to reach the Fort Myers mayor. Overall, Florida officials are warning that Ian will likely be one of the most catastrophic hurricanes to ever hit the state. Joining us now is MSNBC meteorologist Bill Karens. Bill, we're hearing that Ian has been downgraded to a Category 2 hurricane. Does that mean we have seen the worst of this storm? Uh, Damage-wise,
1: if I had to put a percentage on it, I'd say 80 to 90% of the damage has been done. But there's still about 10%, 15% more to be done. And that's mostly going to be in the way of wind damage as we go throughout the next couple of days. And then possibly the Carolinas, too. So, you know, we go through stages of the storms. So there's different threats at different portions. During landfall, we're very concerned with that storm surge. Now, the forecast max, worst case scenario, was 12 to 18 feet. Now, we know we've had a water level somewhere around 10 to 12 feet of a storm surge in the Fort Myers area. Naples was officially right around six feet or so. So we did have a catastrophic storm surge in those areas. That's where we've heard reports of people on roofs, people in attics calling for help to be rescued. Now, that water levels are starting to recede. So hopefully those people that were very scared, obviously, uh, in their attics, on the roofs, wherever they had to seek shelter, worried how high the water levels were going to go. That water is receding now. So hopefully those people can come back down and, you know, they don't need to be rescued anymore because the winds are still too high for rescuers to even go out and get them. So that's that situation where it was hit the hardest. Again, Fort Myers, Bonita Beach. And down towards areas of Naples, especially just north of the Naples area. Now we get to the second part of the storm. Now we get to, we're still concerned with the high winds, still a Category 2, and then the rainfall which will be with us throughout the next two days. So we still have what we call an extreme wind warning, probably a weather term you haven't heard that often. Uh, It only happens when we have landfalling hurricanes and usually they have to be powerful hurricanes at that. And so when we drop this down to about a Category uh, 1, probably the next hour or two, this will be dropped. But there's still probably some 90 to maybe 100 mile-per-hour wind gusts here from Arcadia up to Sebring. And that's also the areas, by the way, that are seeing extreme flooding right now. So we have flood watches that go up to Charleston, to Jacksonville, much of the northern half of the peninsula from Fort Myers, Fort Pierce northwards, including Tampa and Orlando under a flood watch. But this area here is under what we call a flash flood emergency. We've already had reports of upwards of 20 inches of rain in this region. And they're telling people to get to higher ground if you're near any water areas because the Any water, uh, ponds, lakes, streams, they're all rising very quickly. That's the same area that has 100 mile per hour winds. Can you imagine what their phones look like right now? They're going off and beeping and humming, saying you're in an extreme wind warning and you're in a flash flood emergency. Uh, So That's pretty scary stuff, especially in the dark, too. And you're trying to figure out these people didn't evacuate. You know, you're know, you trying to figure out what to do with your family in this situation if you have high water around you and 100-mile-per-hour wind gusts. So uh, our thoughts are with them, so don't think the storm's just completely over with. And then from here, Alex, we got problems going up the coast. Uh, it's not going to be like it was today with storm surge, but we're going to show you some pictures tomorrow night and into Friday morning up around Jacksonville, Florida, St. Augustine, heading up to southern Georgia. We're going to get a three- to five-foot storm surge. Today, that storm surge in Naples, that was around six feet. So, don't think that we can't still get some damage up the coast from a three to five foot storm surge. Again, that's worst case scenario. If it materializes, so that's still something that's on the table. Uh, we just had a wind gust to 70 in uh, Sebring. We're up to 56 in Orlando. My rule of thumb is once you get gust to 50 to 60, that's enough to damage trees. That's enough to get power outages. So, you know, we're seeing that happening now uh, in areas of central Florida. And as far as overnight, we're going to continue with those gusty winds. And, Alex, I'll finish up here with that forecast path that's going to take it overnight towards Orlando and the Space Coast. And then off the coast with another possible landfall Friday, somewhere between Savannah and Charleston, maybe even as a hurricane once again. So uh, a cruel storm. And, uh, you know, as we all wrap our evenings up, think about those people that are still in their houses waiting for rescue uh, where the storm struck because those first responders, they're probably not going to be able to get out there to the middle of the night and daybreak to get to a lot of these people that are in desperate need of help.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a very, very long dark night for some people down in Florida, and we are thinking about them. MSNBC meteorologist Bill Cairns. Thank you, Bill. Let us know if there are any changes we should know about. Of course. Joining us now from Naples, Florida, is MSNBC's Ali Belshi. Ali, you've been doing some gripping coverage today. I know that Naples was obviously hit with a storm surge and quite a bit of flooding. What can you tell us now about the conditions where you are?
2: Well, it's kind of remarkable, uh, Alex. Before noon, I was standing here and and there was nothing here. This was a parking lot of the hotel we're actually staying at. And this is facing east. That's not the water. The The water's behind us. And every time I've ever done a hurricane, we're on the water or we're, we've got the, the water behind us. But the story was here because we were watching this storm surge come in. We were watching the beach at Naples be eliminated and, and push in here. There were cars that were lined up on both sides of this parking lot, and they're all Gone. They're all pushed away. They all floated away or, or got overturned. So we watched all of that happen. And basically, by 3 or 320 is when low tide started. And within an hour of that, it was all gone. Bill was talking about a six foot storm surge here. And we saw every last foot of it. But we actually saw at those uh, buildings across there uh, where they've got a second, you know, the, the, the house is on the second story and the carport is underneath. Well, that's at least 12 feet there. And we saw those decks being overtopped. so the idea that you think about a five or six foot storm surge as being five or six feet of water it all depends on where you are over here on the beach it was it was more than 10 feet of water Uh, great destruction all over here into downtown Naples now it's mostly behind us we have I think we're probably approaching two million people in the state without power and as uh, Bill says as it continues to go through we're gonna see water levels rise and if you have gusts of 50 or 60 miles an hour you'll see power come down well what we have here is we got power out you can see it's completely dark. Behind us, the lights you're seeing are our lights uh, that are that are generator powered. Uh, the the city is saying, please don't go out. The water's not all receded. Uh, you can still get stuck in your car. I watched cars float away today, uh, so that's another danger. And we're, the worst of it is behind us in Naples, but we don't know what the worst of it looks like because until the city can get out, clear the cars, and evaluate the damage, figure out what they can what repair, we won't know how bad it is. And northeast of me, north of me, it's even worse than that. So we have watched uh, one of the strangest stories I've ever seen in a hurricane uh, in all the ones that I've covered. We watched this go from nothing. To completely flooded with the actual Gulf of Mexico, basically uh, just running through this parking lot into the streets of Naples, back into basically just sandy now. This is the this is the sand from Naples Beach. This is a tarmac surface, and it's it's back to normal, but for a whole lot of damage and debris. Don't have a good damage estimate around here. We don't have that sense. Collier County, which is the county we're in, has uh, it's under ma- uh, mandatory evacuation. It's under curfew. They've sent out notices to say please don't call us if you don't need us because we're taking calls from lee county which is fort myers which was Mm -hmm. much more badly hit officials don't have a sense of uh, who stayed behind and who's trapped, but we are getting a lot of calls. In fact, my last update said Collier has done 30 rescues in this county, uh, in, in the Naples area of people trapped, you know, in their in their attics or on higher floors. We don't have a full uh, situation report on that, but we, we should by morning.
0: Yeah. Let, well, I mean, to that end, the Collier County Sheriff's Department said they were receiving a significant number of calls from people trapped by water in their homes and that at the same time, we're seeing these video videos um, featuring first responders who themselves are struggling to deal with the flooding. Can you tell us what the emergency response looks like on the ground where you are at, at, at this time as some of that water's receded?
2: Well, what we know is that uh, there are teams out there. uh, They've they've talked about starting to restore power. That becomes very difficult because the winds, I'm sort of in a a protected area right now, but I lean over here. You'll you'll get some sense of the the, the louder winds and the fact that it's still too windy to take a bucket truck up and fix power lines, but there's probably other power work that they're doing. They say they've got people out there. They're trying to clear the roads because this situation has happened all over the city where cars got piled up. They've got floated and piled up next to an entrance, so they're clearing roads access points to hospitals and things like that. That's what they're doing tonight. They've said, stay off the roads, please. Tomorrow they'll start getting a better sense of, of what's going on. We are getting some reports from Collier County, uh, from Lee County, that there uh, there have been incidents of looting. Uh, we don't know much about that. We just know that Lee County is inundated with a whole lot of problems that even Collier County doesn't have. So their 911 calls are getting, in many cases, rerouted here. So everybody's busy tonight trying to just get a handle on. On what the situation is. But flooding continues to be a problem, even here in Naples, where the storm is on its last legs.
0: The system is operating at full throttle, and that's an understatement. MSNBC's Ali Belshi, thank you, my friend, for yeah. the great reporting. Please stay safe out there. Ian thank made you. landfall this afternoon as a catastrophic Category 4 storm, just shy of Category 5, slamming into a barrier island just off the coast of Fort Myers, just south of there, right on the Gulf Coast is the town of Estero in Lee County. And that is where we find CNBC correspondent Perry Russum. Perry, you're near Fort Myers, which has seen some of the worst of this storm. We keep hearing Fort Myers mentioned in, in the reports about damage. What can you tell us?
3: So right now in Lee County, which is where Fort Myers is, right now we are actually in Fort Myers. We moved here because the cell phone service is abysmal. Uh, in Lee County, there are 92% of people without power. What we have here behind us, Miraculously, we found some place that has power, and this place is places just lined with palm trees. So you can just see all the way down the road here, all of these palm branches that have been taken down. And these are, you know, these are massive branches, too. In some places, they got to be, what, I don't know, 10 plus feet. So these things have been lining the streets here. We woke up this morning in Fort Myers. Realized that the storm was starting to curve northeast and intensify, so we went to one of the shelters, the Hertz Arena. Here in the county, there are 14 different shelters. I think about 4,000 people in total have been going to those shelters. Everybody else has been either going north or east. At the shelter where we were, it's a minor league hockey facility. A couple hundred people were there. Some were sleeping on the periphery of the arena, and some were sleeping in those chairs. Some of them were dusty because nobody's been using them for quite some time. But it was such this interesting juxtaposition where you had them playing Toy Story 2 on the big screen to try and keep these kids calm. But every hour your phone was buzzing with alerts of, do not go outside, wind warning. If you do go outside, we're not coming for you. So you have young children watching Woody as their phones are going berserk. And there was this interesting feeling. It sounds ridiculous to say, but when this hurricane was going over us, it's as if the arena was buzzing. We could feel the pressure dropping and rising. It was this very odd feeling, like you could feel it in your face uh, with this storm going over us. Uh, and this, The wind and the rain was relentless for hours. And there were some times where the water was just coming down through the ceiling. So there were pools where this hockey team does play. So the big question going forward, oh, hold on guys, sorry about that. We'll talk to you in one second. All right, stay safe guys. Uh, We are starting to see some people head out like we are just seeing right here. Uh, That's the one thing that police are saying is, look, if you do go out, we're not coming after you. There was one point during the storm at the arena where they did not want anybody leaving. The wind was so strong. Their fear was if the doors opened, the doors would be taken away. And what we were told from the county, because we asked about this, they said the structural integrity of the arena could be jeopardized by somebody trying to walk out. So we actually ended up staying where we were. They said we were in lockdown, which was very interesting for us to hear. Uh, we were standing next to some sheriff's deputies when they said that we were in lockdown and they started turning, t- t- started turning to each other, like, can we actually do this? Like, Is this something that we can do? But they managed to keep everybody in there. And for us to get out, for us to leave the arena and come here and do this report, there was a woman at the door wearing, who uh, she was with the county wearing a, essentially a fluorescent pinion, looked us in the eye and said, you do realize that there are projectiles out there that are going in the wind. There is flooding all over this place. If you go out there and you are hurt, we are not coming after you, are you okay with that? And you have to go, yes, I'm fine. And people started to go out. So what we've been seeing from where we are here uh, in Fort Myers, just on the periphery of it, the roads are okay, but it's interesting because as you make a left uh, to go toward the water, there's nothing. Lights are out. You have um, traffic lights that are hanging down. So the big question tomorrow is one, how much can we see the damage considering cell services, like I said, abysmal? And two, what's going to be happening with these bridges? Uh, as I mentioned, I know the previous reporter, Ali, has been mentioning it too, is when people are out there, because we're getting reports of people stuck on balconies and things such as that, how much can police actually do? When the warning, Alex, is we can't come after you to get you until the morning.
0: I can only imagine, Perry, the feeling inside that shelter as people are trying to keep their kids calm, also dealing with a storm of biblical proportions. And now the concern about getting through the night and then making it to tomorrow to find out whether their houses and the life that they once knew is still intact. Did you get a sense of how people are emotionally grappling with this?
3: It was an interesting progression that we saw throughout the day where people were starting to come to terms with how bad this actually was. Uh, the wind was picking up. The rain was picking up. And once things started to die down, once people got word that you could leave, but you had to say, yes, I understand the dangers. Yes, I understand nobody's coming after me. Okay, let's step out of the way. There's a car coming this way. Uh, people wanted to go, go out and see their property. There was a man that we were speaking with who has a mobile home. He left his mobile home to come here. His parents were in their eighties, decided to stay. He was doing updates with them to try and see how they were doing every hour. You know, he's anxious to go and see what his house is going to look like. You know, he's kind of joking, like, you know, at least I have the land. The mobile home can go away. Uh, So I start I think they're starting to speed up the process in people's minds of what is left of my house. How bad is it? But we're really not going to understand the significance, the damage of all this. Maybe not even until two days from now, once we once we can get a better vantage point of down there on some of those barrier
0: islands. Perry Russell, CNBC correspondent in Fort Myers, Florida. Perry, stay safe out there. Thanks for the great reporting. Much more ahead of our special coverage of Hurricane Ian. Up next, we're going live to Orlando and we will talk with the Collier County Administrator live. Stay with us. Welcome back to our special coverage of Hurricane Ian. Now a Category 2 storm, its destructive winds and drenching rain moving slowly across Florida tonight after making landfall this afternoon as a powerful Category 4 storm. Joining us now from Orlando, which is feeling the effects of Ian's rain and wind, is NBC News correspondent Jesse Kirsch. Jesse, what is it like in Orlando right now?
6: Yes. Yeah, so, Alex, we are actually experiencing at this moment a little bit of a low, And you can see through the lights how heavy the wind is falling or how heavy the wind is pushing the rain. And actually out in the distance, you might be able to see this fountain out there. I'm going to see if our photographer Tony can push in on it and you might be able to see how the wind is blowing that as well as the trees out here. This and I just saw another flash of lightning. This is uh, mild compared to what we saw just in the last 20 minutes or so. And this is also hours before we expect to see the worst of what is left of Ian here. And this has been going on for hours now. And that gives you an idea of how powerful this storm is. Hours before, while it is still more than 100 miles away, uh, at this point, it might be closer than that. But earlier when it was more than 100 miles away, uh, we were still seeing these powerful wind gusts enough to make giant SUVs wobble uh, and the rain continuing to fall. And we're starting to see some of the water pool up in this sloped down driveway where we are right now. You, you can see uh, the water rising. Above some of the, the the wheels here, I do want to stress that this is just right where we are in a very low area. We have plenty uh, of escape routes over here right now. So we are not uh, we are not flirting with danger uh, in a way that uh, some people uh, might think. And I want to make clear that if we think we're, we're seeing flash flooding coming our way, we will not be uh, wasting time and getting out of the way of that. And that is something that is a concern here in Orlando. So in the overnight to morning hours, we're looking at the worst of what's left to be in here in Orlando. We could see wind gusts as high as 90 miles per hour. But the bigger concern is the potential for more than two feet of rain to hit certain parts of this area, which could lead ...to flash flooding. At this point, officials do not want anyone on the roadways. As of 2 p.m. Eastern Time, people were being told in Orlando to be off of the road. So at this point, people should be in place where they're going to ride out the storm. We have not yet heard of any major power outages. Cell service is holding strong as best we can tell in the area. We know there are several shelters here in Orange County, Florida... One shelter at least has reached capacity, but officials opened more shelters uh, in the late afternoon, early evening hours. So they were still encouraging people to try to seek shelter uh, away from their home if they felt there was a threat. But I can tell you when it was light out, uh, driving conditions were deteriorating. And at this point in the dark, with the wind and the rain seeming to pick up and move closer to that crescendo, uh, this is certainly not a time you want to be taking a chance on the roadways. And again, I cannot stress this enough. What you're seeing out here right now, this is hours before the worst of what we expect to see from Ian here in Orlando. And there are already other parts of Florida that are beyond the direct path of the storm that have uh, had ca- catastrophic damage. We seem to have seen potentially close to a dozen possible tornadoes already having touched down and there have been some small airplanes tossed around, Alex. So this is uh, certainly a force of nature to be reckoning with. And it continues to make its way across Florida. And the fact that it is going from one coast to the other and making its way further up the East Coast beyond this state is significant in in and of itself. And again, how far away we've been and still seeing damage throughout the evening speaks to the severity and the power of Ian. And again, we are expecting conditions to get far worse here in the overnight hours alex
0: nbc news correspondent jesse kirsch in orlando we trust you will keep covering the story and stay safe jesse thanks for the reporting i want to show you this video from the naples florida fire rescue department these are members of that department performing a water rescue just a few hours ago in naples which is all the more impressive because their own fire station where they are bringing this person they rescued is itself flooded with several feet of water their fire trucks are inundated and unusable. Officials in Collier County, where Naples is, say they've received a significant number of calls from people trapped in flooded homes, but they are prioritizing people reporting life-threatening medical emergencies because every attempted rescue is so dangerous at this moment. I want to bring in now Rick Lo Castro, the commissioner of Collier County, He is joined. He's joining us by phone from Marco Island, which which is south of Naples and which we know is been in a very dangerous place with regards to this storm. Um, Mr. Lo Castro. we know there is a mandatory curfew going into effect starting at 10 p.m. tonight. How is the city enforcing that curfew? Uh,
7: Well, you know, we we have really great first responders. I mean, I heard one of your other reporters talk about um, how we've been assisting Lee County. The reason why we've been able to do that is because although um, there, there are a few people that needed uh, rescue. I think we did a great job getting people out of here, and I think that freed up a lot of our first responders and our and our police officers. You know, as far as enforcing the curfew, from what I hear, I'm actually trapped on Marco Island, but I, I sort of, um, uh, my, my district is uh, about half of Naples, Marco Island, uh, Isles of Capri, uh, Port of the Islands, a lot of those low-lying, um, picturesque, beautiful areas that are a piece of paradise um, except when, you know, in time of hurricane and then that's the trade off for living here. But uh, from everything that has been reported to me, uh, people know to stay in. I mean, in fact, so many of the streets are flooded, and as you've heard from your reporters, it's not like people are out and about. And you know, those that that think it's sort of fun to be out in the water, um, those are the folks that we're we're really sort of getting at. And then, of course, you know, you heard about some of the heroic water rescues. You're always going to have that when you have you know emergencies like this. But that that's been uh, the exception, not the rule. And we we got a lot of people out of town. I'm a retired Air Force colonel and have been a base commander and have had a lot of these. Um, type of storms before I hit my base and whatnot, so that's why I stayed back here. I mean, I wasn't going to get in my car and drive to a hotel in Orlando and then come back and pick up the pieces, so I was working closely with our first responders, and you know, the big thing I will just tell you, Alex, is you know, I hear about the palm fronds and people that are losing roofs, and there's a lot of horrific things happening in Fort Myers and Orlando, but um, when the storm hit just north of us, people that were following the, the weather reports, the real concern was whoever was slightly south of of where the storm actually hit, where, where the folks that were going to get the bulk of the storm surge. And I can tell you, we got every inch of it here. I mean, I live on Marco Island, and my house basically was um, about an inch away from from being totaled uh, with flooding. So we had water, and it immediately came over the seawall and surrounded the house, just like a lot of my constituents. Um, but, you know, water is, you know, losing a tree and losing a roof. You lose a pool cage, you know, then you go back in the house and you cook dinner and then you get those things replaced. But water, you know, much like fire, much like tornadoes, you know, that's horrific damage. And and like the reporter was saying, there's a lot of people that have no idea what kind of damage they're about to come back to. I've seen some of it and a lot of it is here on Marco Island and in big chunks of of the district that I'm the commissioner for, and it's 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 really um, uh, you know this is, has really been a a, a one time never never happened before type of event here, and I also you know I I uh, also um uh, survived uh, through through Irma, and it was it was such a big difference. You know, Irma was all about wind. This was all about water. And, uh, you know, a lot of people got a great education, and you know, and it maybe it's the hard way about storm surge. Um, you know, there was a lot of, um, of, of high numbers reported for Irma. Oh, 12-foot storm surge, and it turned out to be three or four feet. And, and there were a lot of folks that said, oh, those weather reporters, they always over-exaggerate to scare us. Where the reality was Irma took a couple of last-minute Wiggles and changes, and and it protected us from storm surge. It wasn't as as um, catastrophic. This storm took wiggles and changes, and and it and it made it worse uh, for us. Came out a total, uh, us at a totally different angle. So I think every, every foot that was predicted of storm surge, I can tell you, I, I saw every inch of it. And we've got a a, a real catastrophic um, issue here in in uh, Marco Naples, and sort of um, as as you move up the. The, the west coast of Florida north. I mean, obviously the storm has, uh, has subsided a little bit. It's still causing structural damage and what, and whatnot, but you, you have some severe, severe water damage in, uh, southwest Florida right now and, and in a big part of my district. And so, you know, now it's, uh, it's time to do assessment and cleanup mode.
0: Uh, Commissioner Lo Castro, I am sure your constituents very much appreciate your decision to use your Air Force experience to help your community and uh, oversee, in effect, what will be a staggering amount of damage over the next couple of days and weeks. There's a long recovery ahead. Rick Lo Castro, Collier County Commissioner, thanks for making time for us during such a difficult time. Up next, What happens next in hard-hit communities? In just a moment, we will talk with former FEMA Administrator Craig Fugate.
7: I am um, sad to tell you that while we don't know the full extent of the damage to Lee County right now, we are beginning to get a sense uh, that um, our community has been, in some respect, decimated.
0: Welcome back to our special coverage of Hurricane Ian, which made landfall this afternoon as one of the strongest storms ever to hit the United States. It's now weakened to a Category 2 hurricane, but it still packs quite a punch. Nearly two million customers are without power, and the storm danger is far from over. Much of central Florida is still bracing for the worst of it as Ian bears down on Orlando and eventually Florida's northeast coast. Wind and flooding and storm surge are potentially lethal threats in those places, and officials are warning that flooding remains a danger even in the hard-hit areas that Ian has already passed through. Joining us now is Craig Fugate, who is no stranger to responding to disasters. He served as the administrator of FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, under President Obama, and as the director director of the Florida Emergency Management Division. Mr. Fugate, thanks for making time. You have overseen the, the federal response to countless storms during your career. So I would love to start with, what are you watching for right now in terms of the response from the federal government?
5: Well, the federal government's been responding. They've been in the state of Florida now since the beginning of the week. They've been locked, stuck with Governor um, DeSantis's team working in the state of O.C., and they've been planning with the state uh, kind of a phased approach. Uh, we can't do everything all at once. you got to prioritize. And the first thing is search and rescue teams. Those are moving in. Uh, you've already seen the local governments begin their response. These other teams are coming in. You have the you know, Florida Department of Transportation, uh, the National Guard, Basically, they're going to have to cut their way in or get in these areas, depending upon how much debris is on the road. They're going to just get it open, get in there, get more help. And that's going to be the focus really for the first day is search and rescue, getting to the injured, getting to the trap, uh, looking at where they need critical supplies to get in. And then you start getting into you know the phases of this. Is if you can get power turned on to a lot of state that's losing it, um, you're going to find that a lot of the response can now be better handled by local officials in the private sector. And that will allow FEMA and the state to focus on the areas of the heaviest devastation. You know, I think we, we kind of know down all as far south as Naples, Mark Island, you heard from the commissioner there north up in the Sarasota County, but an area that really uh, high population, very vulnerable storm surges, Lee County. We've heard from them, you know, they've been hit pretty hard. So you're getting the surrounding community start mutual aid, but FEMA's role, is not to get ahead of the state. It's to support the state, be there, have the resources ready to go and start thinking about next steps. Because as this moves through response, we'll start now getting to the issue of what assistance will we need for people who didn't have insurance? What kind of rebuilding assistance are we gonna to need to help communities rebuild, pay the bills, pay for this response, pay for cleanup. And that will be the next, You know, they'll be working on that starting over the next couple of days. But everybody's got to stay focused on right now and don't detract from search and rescues to priority. And we still got flooding going. You've heard from your reporters up in Orlando. You know, in this part of the world, we're a relatively flat state. And our flash flooding can actually turn into ponding where entire communities uh, that were high and dry, to, you know, earlier in the evening may be a lake with all that water rushing in. And those rescues will have to take place as well.
0: How did, let's talk a little bit more about the water, because you have written uh, and you wrote, I think, earlier today, water, not wind, claimed the most lives in past hurricanes. So how do authorities deal with a storm surge that like this one, which seems almost unprecedented in the sheer volume of water that this storm brought in? What practically does that mean in terms of search and rescue?
5: Well, it means that, again, as you heard from the folks in Naples, where they've had good evacuation compliance and people did move out. That reduces the workload, but we know there will be people that stay behind. And there'll be some that have called 911, one will know to go there, but they're going to search every building. You, you just can't take the risk that there's somebody left behind. And, you know, we're, we're going to focus on people, but I know they're also going to be out there and they're going to find pets, and they'll rescue them. Um, but that's going to be our priority as, as all these teams are moving in. Is to go down the hard hit. Every they've been mapping this out. They you know they, they get the briefings from the Hurricane Center. They know where the storm surge was forecasted to be the worst. Uh, this is everything from Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission with their boats and helicopters to the National Guard with their helicopters and high wheel vehicles, fire department urban search and rescue teams that have boats to go in, and so they've been working the potential areas as the local officials have a better sense on those hard-hit areas to refine that. And this is all moving. It's moving tonight. It won't wait for a couple of days. And so that's what's happening. The thing, though, that is, is kind of going to keep the state and some of the local governments on their toes tonight is how much more damage are we seeing with the flooding as we move inland? Is that going to require more resources? they got teams in different parts of the state that can move there quickly. And so this is this really complex response of, The areas that have already been impacted, areas about to be impacted, and getting those teams in place to move in as soon as it's safe to start those search and rescue operations.
0: A massive coordinated response in the coming days. Well, starting now, Craig Fugate, former FEMA administrator and former director of the Florida Emergency Management Division. Thank you for your time and expertise tonight. Thanks for having me. Up next, why hurricanes are getting bigger and intensifying more quickly. Yes climate change may be largely to blame. Stay with us. Today, Hurricane Ian tied for the title of fifth strongest hurricane to ever hit the United States. It also tied with 2004's Hurricane Charlie as the second strongest hurricane to ever make landfall on the west coast of Florida. The two hurricanes even made landfall in near identical spots right next to Punta Gorda and Port Charlotte. But that tie and comparisons between Hurricanes Charlie and Ian are misleading. Here's Hurricane Ian as seen from space. The whole storm is 500 miles wide. But when we talk about a hurricane, the part we are typically most concerned about is the section of the storm with Hurricane force winds, the yellow and red here that stretches from Tampa to Naples. Those winds are more than 100 miles wide. The eye of the storm alone is more than 30 miles wide. Just gigantic. And for comparison, here is how wide the hurricane force winds were for Hurricane Charlie 10 miles wide. That whole hurricane could fit in the eye. Of today's storm. So, yes, the storms are tied in wind strength, but Ian is going to hit way more of Florida and will do, likely do so much harder. Hurricane Charlie had a maximum storm surge of six to seven feet. Hurricane Ian is forecast for a maximum of 12 to 18 feet. Now, that matters a ton because storm surge is likely to be the most deadly aspect of today's storm. Hurricane Ian is also moving much slower than Hurricane Charlie, which means more time for rain to fall and with that, more flooding. The reason I bring this up is not just to say that this hurricane is worse than its most comparable predecessor, but to talk about how hurricanes overall seem to be getting more extreme. There have only been nine Category 3 or higher storms that have made landfall on Florida's West Coast since the year 1950. Six of those have been since the year 2000. It's impossible to tie any single weather event to climate change, but it is clearly the case that climate change is making storms like this one stronger. Joining us now is Catherine Hayhoe, chief scientist for The Nature Conservancy, professor at Texas Tech University and author of Saving Us, a climate scientist's case for hope and healing in a divided world. Catherine, thank you so much for being with us tonight. I'd like to just get right to it, which is A lot of people are looking at what has been happening or not happening in Florida. And prior to this hurricane, we've actually had a fairly normal season in the U.S. this year, and there have only been a few named storms. So for people who are climate skeptics, how do you explain the role of climate change in a year like this?
4: The way I explain it is like this. We know that hurricanes are a natural phenomena, but climate change is exacerbating them, making them worse, like putting them on steroids. We aren't seeing a change in the overall number of hurricanes. But when those hurricanes happen, they are intensifying faster. They're getting stronger. They're dumping a lot more rain on us. And they're even moving more slowly. Climate change is truly loading the weather dice against us, putting us all at risk.
0: Can you explain why the intensification happened so rapidly, right? Ian was Category 3 last night, and then just over the course of a few hours this morning became a Category 4 and almost a Category 5. How do you attribute that to climate change?
4: That is something that we are seeing due to warmer oceans. So, climate change is being caused primarily by digging up and burning coal and gas and oil, which produces heat trapping gases that are building up in the atmosphere, wrapping an extra blanket around the planet. Now, over 90% of the extra heat that's being trapped by that blanket is going into the ocean, where it is powering stronger storms and enabling those storms to ratchet up far more quickly from a tropical storm to Category 1, 2, or even 3, 4, or 5. The other piece
0: of this that I think is really interesting is that, you know, scientific data shows that the hurricanes are increasingly moving slower than they were in the last century. How does that dovetail with climate change? Is that an effect of climate change? It certainly has deleterious effects once these large storm systems just hang out over land.
4: The data is showing that on average, storms are moving a bit more slowly. But the even more important factor that we haven't quite touched on yet is the fact that warmer air holds more water vapor. So when a storm comes along, as they always do, there's more water vapor for that storm to sweep up and dump on us today than there was 50 or 100 years ago. And although you mentioned that any given hurricane is not the result of climate change, we are able to put numbers on just how much worse climate change made a specific hurricane. With Hurricane Harvey, it's estimated that nearly 40% of the rain that fell during Harvey, and in some places it was over 50 inches of rain, would not have occurred if that same hurricane had happened 100 years ago as it easily could have. It was estimated even worse that more areas flooded and more economic damages occurred because you might be used to 20 inches or 30 inches and prepared for that. But once you get into the 40 and 50 inch range, that's where the really devastating economic damages occur. And that's where places get flooded that we're not expecting it. So we can put very specific numbers today on how much worse climate change makes a heat wave, a wildfire and a hurricane.
0: Putting numbers on it matters because we can also assign economic damage to climate change. And that's the beginning of actual policy shift. Catherine Hayhoe, chief scientist for the Nature Conservancy and professor at Texas Tech University. Thanks for your time and wisdom tonight.
4: Thank you for having me.
0: We have much more ahead in our special coverage of Hurricane Ian. We'll be right back. As nearly 2 million people in Florida are without power tonight, power crews in Cuba have begun restoring electricity to the eastern parts of the island as recovery efforts begin in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian. The storm battered western Cuba after it made landfall on Pinar del Rio province early Tuesday morning as a Category 3 hurricane, knocking out the power grid. Officials initially cut power to nearly a million people as a precaution, but Cuba's antiquated electrical grid, which had been struggling well ahead of the storm, buckled, prompting officials to then cut off power to the entire population of 11 million. We're still waiting to see the full devastation that Hurricane Ian has left behind in Florida. But if Cuba, where at least two people are reported dead, if Cuba can foretell what to expect in Florida, it does not look good. Again, the storm hit Cuba as a Category 3 storm. According to the National Hurricane Center, the storm caused significant wind and storm surge impacts in Cuba, with winds up to 125 miles per hour. Cuba's tobacco farms were hit particularly hard. One tobacco farmer remarked to Reuters, quote, Sometimes hurricanes pass through here, but not of this magnitude, adding it destroyed our houses, our drying huts, our farms, the fruit trees, everything. The owner of a cigar factory who posted these photos of the wreckage to Facebook told NBC News that the scenes were, quote, apocalyptic and a real disaster. The damage in Florida tonight already looks bad, but we may not be able to tell just how bad until morning. That does it for us tonight. We'll see you again tomorrow